Good morning. Morning. I've been walking around with a flat forehead and a hunched shoulder for the longest time. <laughs> now, now I know why I got it. It's because I'm not able to answer questions. We went to Calgary last year to see our grandson Ian, who many of you have met over the Christmas holidays. For the first seven and a half months last year, I have probably walked for exercise about a handful of times. There is a park and a golf course close to where Jennifer and Matthew's house. As a result, we walk at least once a day and sometimes twice a day. We sometimes took Ian with us for some fresh air. After we came back to Guelph, I started to explore the trails in Henlon Creek Conservation Area, close to our house. I fell in love with the trails, and as a result, doing more walking. The regular walking is good for my heart in two ways. Physically, my heart is getting the workout that it needs, and spiritually, I can meditate on God and his wonderful creation. A man has a heart attack and is brought to the hospital emergency room. The doctor tells him that he will not live unless he has a heart transplant right away. Another doctor runs into the room and says, you are in luck, two hearts just became available, so you will get to choose which one you want. One belongs to a lawyer and the other to a social worker. The man quickly responds, the lawyers. The doctor said, wait, 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 wait. Don't you want to know a little about them before you, you make your decision? Oh, the man says, I already know enough. We all know that social workers are bleeding hearts. And the lawyers probably never use his. So I will take the attorneys. I thought I'd just you over the sermon on this one, right? Today I would like to get to the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. There are 878 occurrences of the word heart in the King James Bible. I'm sure that many of you can quote these heart verses by heart. I'm sure that many of you have experienced God's heartwarming teachings and instruction through these heart verses. I'm sure that many of you have touched the hearts of others by sharing these heart verses. Let's read some of them before I launch into my main message. What is the first commandment given by the Lord Jesus Christ? Mark 12, 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. What is the hope of all Christians? How do we find peace in our lives? John 14, verse 1 to 3. Let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if you are not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, 
that where I am, that ye may be also. When God is looking at us, what is he interested in? Does he look at our outer appearance? Or does he look at what is inside? 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outer appearance, but the Lord look on the heart. What did God teach us about pleasing him? Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuch that he might not defile himself. What did the scripture teach us about the right motivation? 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Every man according as he purpose in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. What did we learn in the book of Hebrew about the purpose of God's inspired words? Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thought and intents of the heart. Where is the best place to put God's word? Psalm 119 verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I may not sin against thee. This morning, I entitled my message, Sermon of the Heart. It is divided into five sections. Section one deal with humility. In section two, we are going to talk about eternity. In section three, we will discuss about adoration. Rejoicing will be covered in section four. And section five concentrates on trust. Of course, the first letter of each word forms the word heart to help us remember the major points. What is humility? Humility is allowing our heart's aim to Christ's example of absolute obedience to the Father. Humility is allowing our heart's aim to Christ's example of absolute obedience to the Father. Humility should be the trademark of every Christian, but we, but often we fail in this area. The reason that we fail is that we take our eyes off our Savior. The reason that we fail is that we turn our backs on our Lord. The reason that we fail is that we insist on going our own way. Yes, we are going to do things without God. Yes, we are going to try on our own. Yes, we are going to make provision just in case God doesn't come through. It doesn't take much for pride to raise his ugly head. It doesn't take much for pride to push humility out the door. Yes, 
I will give God 99.9% of the glory. And keep a little bit for myself. Yes, I just want to hear my name being mentioned when it comes to good deeds. Yes, I want people to know that I, I, I tithe the most. Brothers and sisters, don't give him to the flesh. Brothers and sisters, don't fall into the trap. What is your heart aiming for? What is your heart aiming at? Align your heart's aim to God. You too can be like David, a man after God's own heart. How do we align our hearts to God? It's by knowing Christ. It is by meditating on Christ. It is by thinking about Christ. And it is by following Christ. And it is by serving Christ. And it is by worshipping Christ. Philippians 2, verse 5 to 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought in our robbery to be equal with God, but make himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being fine fashioned as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We are very familiar with this passage. As one speaker puts it, familiarity does not breed contempt in this case, but familiarity brings neglect. When was the last time that you meditate on these four verses? Has the Holy Spirit speak to you about being humble, not just in some areas of your life? Has the Holy Spirit convict you that you need to be humble in all areas of your life? Have God's word taken hold of your heart in this regard? Has God penetrated to the core of your heart and you cry out to him, Lord, I'm surrendering, surrendering all to you. Continue to teach me the lesson of humility until I become the person you want me to be a man after your own heart. Humility in the life of Christ. Jesus made the following statement when he was teaching the disciples. They were talking about who should be the greatest among them. Luke 22 verse 27. And among you as he that serveth. This exemplify his life of humility. This blows my mind away. How can God who created the universe, who is almighty and all-knowing, who is holy and just, came to serve? Yet God did it by sending his son. Andrew Murray wrote a book on humility, and I'm going to read a little excerpt from it. In the Gospel of John, the inner life of our Lord becomes open to us. Jesus speaks frequently of his relationship to the Father, of the motives by which he is guided, and of his consciousness of the power and spirit in which he acts. Though the word humble is not used, there's no other place in scripture where his humility is so clearly revealed. Listen to the word from John's Gospel. 
in which our Lord speaks of his relationship to the Father. And see, and see how unceasingly he uses the word not and nothing of himself. John 5.19, the Son can do nothing of himself. John 5.30, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. 5.41, I receive not honour from men. John 6.38, For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sends me. John 7.16, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sends me. John 7.28, I am not come of myself. 8.28, I do nothing of myself, but as the Father has taught me, I speak these things. 8.42, neither came I of myself, but he that sends me. 8.50, I seek not mine own glory. And 14.10, the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. And 14.24, the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. Let's live a life that is pleasing to the Father by exercising humility. Humility in the teachings of Christ. Christ doesn't only exhibit humility in his life, but he also teaches it. Let's start with Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, verse 3 and 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, and they shall inherit the earth. Christ pointed to himself as an example. Matthew eleven twenty nine, Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, me for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. Christ used a little child as an object lesson. Matthew 18, 4. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Christ taught us the divine order of things. Luke 18, verse 14. Everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Christ demonstrated humility by showing the disciples what to do. John 13 verse 14. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. I recently read the biography of Robert C. Chapman. He lived to be 99 years old. He wanted to obey the Lord's commandment about washing one another's feet. Of course, everybody was not comfortable in allowing him to wash his or her feet. So instead of washing feet, he cleaned and shined the shoes and boots of all the guests who stay with him every day. Let's heed the teaching of Christ and serve other with humility. Eternity. What is eternity? 
Eternity is projecting our hearts into infinity in the direction of our Lord and Savior. Eternity is projecting our hearts into infinity in the direction of our Lord and Savior. We are finite creatures. There was a time that we did not exist. There was a moment that we came into being. We can talk infinity, but we do not really comprehend infinity. To learn about infinity, we have to go to the eternal one, the one who always exists, the one who has no beginning and no end, the one who was, who is, and who is to come. Only the eternal one can talk about eternity. Only our God can say the following. Jeremiah 31 verse 3. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Hebrews 13.5. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. The reason that God loved us for eternity because he provided a way for us to have eternal life. We can have eternal life by believing in God's only begotten Son. We can have eternal life by accepting God's free gift of salvation. We can have eternal life by confessing that we are sinners in need of Christ as our Savior. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. To launch ourselves into infinity, we need to project our hearts into infinity in the direction of our Lord and Savior. We have to start somewhere. We have to take the following first steps. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Eternity is a long journey. We are advised to take the high road and not the low path. It will take some time. We have to look at things from God's perspective, the central core rather than the superficial surface. Keep praying for spiritual insights and heavenly discernments. Ephesians 2.6 And have raised us up together and make us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are to learn to set our eyes on eternal things and values rather than temporary security and pleasures. How did Jesus, our Lord, instruct us regarding the right priorities in life. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 to 21. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We have to fix our eyes on the eternal Lord, our advocate and our intercessor, 
who is sitting on the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Adoration. What is adoration? Adoration is casting our heart in unadulterated affection to the Holy One. Adoration is casting our heart in unadulterated affection to the Holy One. If we can only do one thing in life, we should do the following. Deuteronomy 6.5 And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thine soul and with all thy might. The following is a little excerpt from A.W. Tozer's book, Tozer on Worship and Entertainment. According to Tozer, one of the ingredients of worship is love. Before he talked about love, he discussed other ingredients such as admiration, honor, and fascination. The excerpt goes this way. Another ingredient, which perhaps should have been mentioned first, is love. We can have love without worshipping, but we cannot worship without loving. Then love, when it lets itself go and no longer has any restraint, becomes adoration. If I had the power, I would pass a law permitting the use of such words as love, honor, and adore only in prayer, Bible teaching, preaching, and so on. We have spoiled them and make them common, yet they belong to God. Worship seeks union with his beloved and an active effort to close the gap between the heart and the God it adores and is worshipped at its best. We can love God because he first loved us. Let's adore God without any reservation. Let's adore him without any condition. Let's adore him without any hypocrisy. Let's adore him without any hindrances. Let's cast our hearts in unadulterated affection to the Holy One. The next one is rejoicing. What is rejoicing? Rejoicing is expressing our heart's emotion of the inner presence of the Divine. Rejoicing is expressing our heart's emotion of the inner presence of the divine. Philippians 4.4 Rejoice in the law always, and again I say rejoice. The secret of Paul's exhortation is found in the word in the Lord. No matter how dark the circumstances of life may be, it is always possible for the Christian to rejoice in the Lord. One person share his experience regarding Christian joy. Christian joy is a mood independent of our immediate circumstances. If we were dependent on our surroundings, then indeed it would be as uncertain as an unprotected candle burning on a gusty night. One moment, the candle burns clear and steady. The next moment, the blaze leaps to the very edge of the wake 
and affords little or no light. Christian joy has no relationship to the transient setting of life, and therefore it is not the victim of the passing day. The secret of Christian joy lies in God's promises. We need to claim them moment by moment as we go through life and rejoice in the Lord. Matthew 28 verse 20, Lo, I am with you always, even until, until the end of the world. This verse reminds me of two lines from the song, Reach out to Jesus. He is always there, hearing every prayer, faithful and true. Walking by our side, in his love we hide all the day through. Isaiah 40 verse 28, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. God never gets tired. We can rejoice and be rest assured that he is keeping his eyes on us. Psalm 121 verse 3, He that keepeth thee will not slumber. God is available all the time. He does not have office hour. We can go to him anytime. We can commute with him and rejoice. And we can rejoice because of our, of our assurance of salvation. Christ is watching over us. John 10, verse 27 to 30. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Verse 29, My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. When we suffer for his name's sake, God is close to us. When we are being persecuted for being his children, God is there embracing our souls. His very presence gives us peace. His very presence brings us joy unspeakable. Matthew chapter 5, 11 and 12. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And also First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye have partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Finally, trust. What is trust? Trust is the giving of our hearts to God and let Him do the leading. Trust is the giving of our hearts to God 
and let him do the leading. A lot of times after we are saved, we still like to be in the driver's seat. We like to control where we would like to go, how fast to go, and what time we would like to go. However, when you call Jesus Lord, are you treating him as Lord in reality? Or are you calling him Lord in name only? Yes, you have surrendered the driving to him, but you still like to be the navigator. You still like to have a say in every matter. Trusting God demands our complete abdication from both driving and navigating. We are to do things at His command. We are to move at His signal. We are to go at His pace. What does God say about the condition of the human heart? Jeremiah 17 verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Does this verse apply to you? Yes. Does this verse apply to me? Most definitely. None of us can be exempted from this verse. That's why the scripture at every turn admonishes us to trust in the Lord. Psalm 118 verse 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. I would go as far to say it is best to trust in the Lord because I can neither trust myself nor another human being. Both of us are human and our hearts are capable of many evil things. What does the Bible teach us about total surrender and total submission? Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. We can properly trust the Lord when everything seems to be going all right. We can properly trust in the Lord when everything seems to be going our way. What about the time when we encounter trials and tribulation? What about the time when we face serious health challenges? What about the time when we have to deal with important family matters? What about the time when we have to solve difficult financial crises? May our answer be a resounding yes. We will trust the Lord. Psalm 19 uh, uh, Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. You know why you should completely trust in the Lord? It is because God is omnipresent. He is present everywhere. He is with you no matter where you are. It is because God is omniscient, all-knowing. He is beside you when you feel lonely. It is because God is omnipotent, all-powerful. He is upholding you when you are too weak to go on. Many times, instead of running to God with our problems, we Having the same nature, 
we try to solve the problem on our own. We know better, meaning our thinking, but we do know better, meaning our action. We must learn to relinquish our control. We must attempt to decrease self. We must give our hearts to God and let Him be in charge. 2 Timothy 1.12 I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to give that which I have committed unto Him against that day. As my, as my sermon is drawn to a close, the heart of the matter is indeed the matter of the heart. If your heart is healthy in the five areas we have just looked at, I thank God for your wonderful testimony of your life. It will surely be a blessing to others. If your heart is weak in any of the areas we have talked about, you need to come before the Lord and ask Him to provide you with the proper exercise to strengthen your heart. Before I finish, I would like to leave you with these Bible verses. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see there if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Matt, can I ask you to close in prayer, prayer, and we will sing 545 in the red hymnal. Cleanse me. Lord, thank you for the message that you laid on Chris's heart this morning, and pray that it would touch each and every one of our hearts and help us to uh, self-reflect through introspection and consideration and meditation on your word, Lord, where we stand, where our hearts stand. Your word says that the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? But with your help, Lord, you can guide us to a better way. Help us, Lord, to keep these things in mind as we seek to follow you and walk after your ways and not our own. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Yeah, 545 in the red window. Cleanse me.